This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. The slow, arduous road back to relevance continues. The Mets sweep the Arizona Diamondbacks. Let me say that one more time because that is still crazy to think about. The New York Mets, who hit another rock bottom about six days ago when they lost that Friday night game to the San Francisco Giants, they have somehow rattled off five consecutive victories, including shutting out a team that had not been shut out all year long and sweeping the first-place Arizona Diamondbacks. And maybe the craziest part is that the exclamation point of this series against Arizona featured probably the most stress-free Mets game we've watched all year long. Because from beginning to end, this was an ass-whooping. I mean, this was a absolute, no-question ass-whooping. So it's a very happy addition of Rico Bronia as the Mets are red hot. They're the hottest they've been in over a month. Should we give credit to Pete Hoffman's beautiful bald head? Maybe we have to. The man shaved his head on Friday. The Mets proceeded to then have their worst loss of the season, or at least one of their worst losses of the season. We figured, boy, that losing of the hair made no impact, but I guess it needed like 24 hours because then on Saturday and Sunday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, the Mets rattle off five straight wins. So it was like a delayed reaction, Pete, but the bald head has gotten the Mets hot. Congratulations. Well, well, thank you. And I have to say that I didn't realize I had to go to a game for it to go into effect. So ah. I went I went to the Saturday. I didn't go to the Friday game. I went to the Saturday game, and that's what jumped. That, that kick-started everything. Listen, man, whatever works. <laughs> <laughs> whatever works. It's funny how the bar sometimes changes in a way coming into this season. I think all of our bar was go win a world series. I mean, that was the bar, go win a championship, especially after what we saw last year. And I think over the last few days and weeks, the new bar has been, can you give us relevant baseball? Cause there has certainly been a fear still exists that the Mets were going to play a lot of irrelevant games throughout the summer and into the early fall, a five game winning streak like this at least gives us the hope because they are not out of the woods yet, obviously. They have a long way to go. I'm not joking when I say they got a long way back to relevance. They're still five games under 500. And I don't say that to rain on the parade of the way they've played. We're going to talk about the way they've played. And it's mostly going to be a positive, positive podcast because they're winning baseball games. But the reality is they still have a lot of work to do. 
and that they have not insured relevant August baseball quite yet. They haven't insured, hey, the deadline may be a time of standing still instead of selling. But the last few days have been a lot of fun. Obviously, the first two games featured a lot of stress. We did an instant reaction to the middle game of this series, if you missed it. The incredible comeback with the Alvarez home run and the Mark Hanna triple. So we'll touch on the opener of this series, in which Max Scherzer drove me nuts on the 4th of July. We'll get into the finale of this series. We'll look ahead to the final series before the All-Star break and our evaluations on this team as we march towards the, the break, which is maybe coming at a bad time because the Mets are red hot. They don't need to be cooled off with four days of sitting. But let's go back to the opener of this series because the Mets responded after that brutal Friday loss to the San Francisco Giants by getting themselves quality wins on Saturday and Sunday. But now the test began because now you go into a three-game series against the team sitting in first place, against the team 15 games above 500, and against a really good offensive baseball team. And I think that's the thing you have to keep in mind. The New York Mets came into a three-game series against a baseball team that was averaging five runs per game. And think about what the Met pitching was able to pull off. Max Scherzer was actually the weakest of the starters, but we'll include him in this. Why not? I'll try to be fair. Max Scherzer, the Met bullpen, Kodai Senga, David Robertson, and essentially Carlos Carrasco held the Arizona Diamondbacks, who again are averaging five runs a game. The Mets held them to five runs in game one, so right around the average, one run in game two, and then a shutout in game three. So the Diamondbacks scored six runs in three games against a Met team whose pitching has been dreadful all season. The Met bullpen allowed one run in the five innings that it pitched. But that's the big number. The number five should jump out at you. The Mets only needed to use their bullpen for five innings in a three-game series. And when this series began on Tuesday after the off day on July 3rd, I think one of the issues from that first game was how Buck used the bullpen. And I'm actually going to defend him a little bit. So Max Scherzer, and I don't want to spend too much time killing the guy, but Max Scherzer gave you the typical Glavany performance in which we're going to hand you a lead, Max, and then he's going to immediately hand it back. And what we saw Tuesday was such an example of that in the most extreme way. He gives up a home run in the first inning to Corbin Carroll after striking out the first two batters. So typical of Max. They're down one nothing. The offense can't figure out Scott Davies. And then finally, they put together a really big fourth inning when Starling Marte, behind in the count, hits a bomb of a three-run home run. Looked like it was going to be a frustrating inning that wasn't going to go anywhere. And Marte hits that bomb. For whatever reason, Starling Marte has had great success at Chase Field. And I'm feeling good. Fireworks are popping. The Mets have a three-to-one lead. Max Scherzer has handed the baseball back with a two-run lead. And with two outs and nobody on in the fourth inning, my ass is not even that comfortable on the couch. I had just got up. I would got myself a frozen drink. I sit back down. And he gives up back-to-back home runs to Christian Walker and Lourdes Scorial. Because this is who Max Scherzer is. He'll strike a guys out 
but he'll also give up a ton of home runs, especially when he's just been handed a lead. So the three to one lead lasts 35 seconds. An inning later, Brandon Nimmo hits a home run and he's been on some kind of power surge recently. That was his 13th home run that he hit on Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon, whenever the hell the game took place. And what does Max Scherzer do? Two outs and nobody on against the bottom of the order. Alec Thomas hits a ball to second base that I agree McNeil should make the play. You want to put this on Jeff McNeil? That's fine. But after Jeff McNeil can't make the play, Max Scherzer still has a chance to get that third out and keep the one-run lead. And what does he do? He walks Padromo. What does he do? He gives up an infield single to McCarthy. What does he do? He walks Corbin Carroll with the bases loaded. By the grace of God, he struck out Christian Walker to get out of that fifth inning. And that was what was so frustrating about his performance. Like the final line of six innings, four runs is mediocre in its own right. But to give back two leads in back-to-back innings, and both of which came with two outs and nobody on, it, it just... It was like a cloud that hung over the rest of the game. I got to be honest with you. I mean, I was thrilled they won, and we'll get to the dramatics at the end, but it just pissed me off because you're an ace. Now, I get he hasn't been great, and he's not pitching like the dominant guy he was five years ago or even three years ago, but what I expect when you hand it a lead is not to flush it immediately, and he's done that consistently all year, and that's why Keith Hernandez, who I love, said something during the finale of this series that pissed me off to no end. He was talking about Senga, and he said, yeah, you know, Kodai's got seven wins. You know, Max is eight and two. Boy, Max just goes out and finds a way to win. That was his quote. Max goes out and finds a way to win? No. I don't care what his record is. You can take the the win-loss record. I mean, you talk about the most meaningless stat in baseball, and it's always been the case. Now it's accepted. The win-loss record of a pitcher means nothing. If you've watched watched Max Scherzer this season, we've seen him blow leads so many times, and you're telling me somehow he finds ways to win? Like it's some kind of miracle? The only reason Max Scherzer didn't blow the third lead in the opener of this series is because they took him out in the seventh inning. Like when the Mets scored the two runs in the seventh on the Francisco Alvarez absolute bomb 470 feet whatever it was to give the Mets the lead Scherzer didn't have a chance to blow it the seventh because they took him out from Brooks Raley so I, I it's weird things that bother me but hearing Keith Hernandez who's a smart guy and he watches just about every game for him to say boy at Max Scherzer he finds a way to win no no it's the opposite he finds a way to blow leads but the Met offense to their credit came up big in this game Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Because even after blowing a three to one lead and blowing a four to three lead, I mentioned it, Francisco Alvarez, and little did we know he was setting the tone for the entire series, hitting a home run in every single game, hits this bomb of a home run 
against former friend Miguel Castro, and he did it behind in the count. But what was so valuable is that the Mets added on. And I thought that was a big deal. In the eighth inning, they draw a few walks. They execute a double steal. And D.J. Stewart, of all, I'm, I'm sorry, yeah, was it D.J. Stewart? Yeah, it was D.J. Stewart because he came on as a pinch runner in inning earlier. That's how he got this at bat. Came through with a sack fly. That off the bat, I thought was going to be more. I thought it was going to be like a bases-clearing double. And then in the ninth inning, two outs, runner in scoring position, Francisco Lindor comes up with a clutch RBI double. And when you're making a game a three-run lead and a four-run lead, we know as Met fans, you're damn right we need that. We're going to need every freaking run we can get. Even though Raley got through his seventh and Adovino got through his eighth, you just knew those insurance runs are going to be necessary. And then we get to the ninth inning. So I had a disagreement with Joe. I've been doing a few of the shows this week with my former partner. He'll always be my uh, longtime radio partner, Joe Beningo. And Joe's complaint in the ninth inning was, hey, don't F around. And by the way, I totally understand his point. That's why I'm going to put it out there, even though I disagree with it. Joe said, don't mess around. Every game is big. You're just coming off an off day. Just go to David Robertson with a four-run lead in the ninth inning. Just do it. Like, don't don't F around. And there are times where I'd agree with that. But I think because you're playing six straight games, you may need David Robertson every single day if you're playing close games every day. I've got a four-run lead. Let me see if I could just get these last three outs from Drew Smith or even Trevor Gott, who they just acquired. And we'll talk a little bit about that trade in a bit. You know, whoever you want to go to, I get having Robertson in the holster just in case, but trying to steal those three outs because you have a four-run lead. If it's a three-run lead or a two-run lead, no, I I get it. It's different. With a four-run lead, I'm willing to gamble because I know that in the worst-case scenario, I'm still going to use David Robertson, and I can still put the fire out, which unfortunately is exactly what happened because Drew Smith gives up a hit. Uh, He gives up a, a the walk really was the big one. You know, he gives up a leadoff hit to Nick Ahmed. All right, it happens. He gets the next two outs, including a diving play by Nimmo. But the one thing you can't do is walk Dominic Fletcher up by four runs with a runner on first and two outs. And once he does that, I agreed with Buck. Okay, I gave you the shot. Now I can't mess around. I got the tying run on deck, which makes it a save situation. I I got to go to my big guy. And unfortunately, David Robertson wasn't his sharpest because he gave up a hit to Corbin Carroll. He issued a bases loaded walk to Christian Walker. And it set up this moment that I think we all feared. You know, when Lourdes Gurriel's up there with the bases loaded and all of a sudden it's a three-run game, did we not all envision Gurriel hitting a game-winning grand slam? I did. And, and by the way, if he did, I stand by what I just said, which is I got a four-run lead. I can't use my best reliever every effing day. Like, there has to be days where I try to hide him. Now, again, I'm going to use him if things get dirty, which they did. So it's not like I'm saying I'm not going to use him. I'm saying, let me just see if I can get these three outs without him. And unfortunately, they couldn't, and they had to go to David Robertson anyway. Well, this is the, this is the time where you do miss Edwin Diaz. Edwin Diaz right here would be because you would, the way Robertson's been pitching, you would have two pitchers 
in the late innings to be able to like you know go back and forth and use Diaz here and there and have you don't ha- you don't have that right now and that's where he this Diaz you miss the most right now. They are an arm short in the bullpen. Like if this season continues to 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 move in the better direction of them winning games and we're breaking down, hey, what do they need to get better? What do they need to enhance this team? It's a bullpen arm. And I think we said that a year ago, and then it turned out to kind of morph into maybe they needed a bat, and they never really got a bullpen arm. They got Michael Givens, and even though Givens wasn't good, the bullpen never derailed the Mets. So as much as we screamed about it, that turned out not to seal their fate. But when you look at them right now, they're they're a bullpen arm short. And I think going into the season, they were probably a bullpen arm short. And then you lose Edwin Diaz, and you move everybody back an inning, which, yeah, it basically affects them every single night. You're right. Like, every time they play a close game, you're talking about one other arm that you could have had. With that said, they won the game. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, despite all the negatives that come out from this game, the bullpen, having to go to Robertson, Drew Smith sucking, everything I said about Max Scherzer, the reality is the Met offense went out there and scored eight runs, and they won a baseball game. End of the day, they won a baseball game. End of the day, Max Scherzer, even though he blew two leads, gave him six innings. It wasn't beautiful. It wasn't ideal. But you only needed nine outs from your bullpen. And even though they used four guys to do it, they got it. The the other thing about this offense that I find fascinating, if you look at where they're ranked right now, they're about eighth in the National League in runs scored, which is not, not good, not nearly as good as they were last year. But they are averaging about four and a half runs per game, a little over four and a half runs per game, which is a respectable number. What's so odd is how they're doing it compared to last year. They hit a ton of home runs. And a year ago, when we looked at this offense, we saw a high batting average, low power offensive team. And this year, it's the absolute opposite. They have not hit for a high team batting average, but they hit a ton of home runs. Now, why do they hit a ton of home runs? There is an individual specifically that has caused that change and this series against the Arizona Diamondbacks if we ever look back on it months weeks or even years from now which I doubt because it means this season went somewhere special we will look back at this three-game series as simply the Francisco Alvarez series because a year ago and we talked about it so much especially the offseason they got No power from catcher. Zero. Zero. James McCann, Tomas Nito. I do think Patrick Mazika hit an occasional home run, including a game winner, which I don't want to ignore. But they got no power from the catcher position. And now, from Francisco Alvarez, they get a freaking home run every game. He's hit 16 home runs. So to go along with Alonzo, who despite his recent slump, broke out of it the finale of this series, but is having a great power season while his average is way down, OPS is way down. Guy could hit 50 home runs, and that's with an IL stint. And Lindor is having an incredible power season. Lindor could hit 35 home runs. So Lindor, Alonzo, you throw in Alvarez, and how about Brandon Nimmo? I mean, Brandon Nimmo has been a power machine. He's at 13 home runs. So their offense overall is not as good as it was last year, but they're they're very different in how they're scoring these runs. They are certainly a power team, and 
God forbid you were able to able to mix the power of this year with the batting average of last year, we'd have ourselves an elite offense. <laughs> it's basically we we'd have a team scoring five runs per game. Uh maybe they'll get there, but they ain't there yet. That's for sure. No, I mean they're close to the five runs per game right now anyway. And again, like we talk about this, like you know, they're they're in the middle of the pack. For a team that's been struggling all season long up until this point, especially June. The runs haven't been the issue. It's been the pitching. And thank God for the past two nights of near flawless starting pitching. Well, so you're right that the offense, and and I've always felt this way. We talked about this back in April that I had a lot more faith that this offense was not going to be the issue. But there are days where the offense does nothing. There are days in which they are very frustrating to watch. And game two of this series was one of those days until two outs in the ninth inning. I mean, let's be honest. They were about to lose a one nothing game. They were about to lose a game in which they had three hits, two of which were infield hits. They did nothing offensively in game two of this series. And luckily, they woke up before the clock struck midnight with the dramatic Alvarez home run. And we're not going to spend that much time on it, only because we did an entire instant reaction to it. So if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. We were euphoric. It was recorded minutes after the Mets had the dramatic comeback in game two of this series, the Alvarez game tire, the Mark Hanna triple, the David Robertson one, two, three inning, everything in between. Check it out if you haven't heard it. But the offense did nothing for eight and two thirds innings. You know, let's not ignore that. 